What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to an exciting episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. One day away. We haven't done our jersey numbers in a while. We kind of stopped that after we did our preview because people would know about the team at that point. With the one day away, nobody will ever wear number one again. No Marcus to mask post. Nobody on the team is wearing it for a reason. One day away from the kickoff of the 2023-2024 regular season. I'm Mick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, we're currently in a down moment in football. We couldn't be ever more excited, though, that basketball is here. We've talked endlessly about what to expect, what to look for. But in general, the offseason was an interesting one. But the fact that we're here already is kind of mind-blowing. Noah, what's going on? Yeah, definitely exciting Exciting for it to be here and um, ready for it. Big opening night for around the Valley. And, uh, and I mean, it's here. It's This is a basketball school. And I, t- I said after the football game yesterday, I'm glad basketball is here because obviously we'll finish out the football season. But uh, basketball, a lot, of, a lot of things happened, not only for our team. I mean, there's a lot of movement around the league. So it's an exciting time of the year. Yeah, and football clearly still has a, a good chance in some facets, but because it's down, you want to segue to other interesting things and what else is going on. It's 100% a basketball school, and we're really, really excited for the kickoff of this one, regardless of what it is coming in. We will dive into our matchup tomorrow with Kentucky State of Division Two. at the very end of this. There's some interesting things on that. They had a recent exhibition that – just told us something based off the final score, but the fact that they had that game. But we'll talk about the usual. Uh, we will go, go around the Valley. You said it. There are interesting and some good games for some Valley schools. We'll talk about those. We'll talk about a little bit maybe of what some non-con games or our non-con opponents have in their first game. They're interesting. We know how that can – you know, good wins for them means what you know good for us and we can knock them off over time. But, no, let's kick off with – uh, a team updates, you know, today the team posted the team picture. It's at a different angle. They usually do a more straight on pick. I'm sure they just took a lot of them. And those, you know, everybody's in it. And there's one guy in it, though, Noah, that has been, uh, you know, Brian had an interview last week. Of course, it was right after we got out our season preview. And there were some notable things. And, Noah, the biggest thing to take from that, is injury related again, unfortunately. And like I said, the guy in that picture didn't have on what he had been having on. Freshman Sheridan Sharp apparently fractured his ankle, fractured his foot recently. And Brian says he will be out six to eight weeks. This was breaking to us in the moment as that video you know, posted. I didn't listen to it at the time when you texted me and, and or called me and told me about it. And it's like, of course. And it's weird because Brian kicked off that thing mentioning when he was asked about injuries, said that they were in a good spot with injuries. And we're thinking, well, does that mean that Sheridan wasn't going to be in the cards at all? So his injury doesn't really mean much. But, no, we had a feeling Sheridan was going to play this year. And clearly this matters because just in terms of what we thought anyway, Sheridan would have been a nice piece at the guard position. Now you're just a step lower in terms of depth at those spots. But, no, this is not what we wanted to hear, especially for a young guy, because this could feed into what eligibility could mean for him in the future. No, this is not what we want to hear, and and we're thinking of what the heck he could have done it in practice or our recent scrimmage. Yeah, it's just one of those – another, I mean, it's been banged up all offseason long, this team has, and 
this one hurts because I thought this guy could, I mean, as a true freshman, give you some a little bit of an impact. And now six to eight weeks now, it's put you a little bit behind the eight ball for his development along the way. But hopefully if he gets back, be an interesting decision to see where this team's at and all right, are we off to a good start and this guy can impact the team well, or is it one of those where, all right, we're down, but we still think this guy could get a lot of good development playing this year or does he redshirt? So definitely interesting decision. We're going to follow along the way. Yeah. And again, it, it stinks for him because if he was one of those players that through other injuries had been showing out, which we know he has that, this just kills it in that sense. And it was his birthday recently. We tweeted happy birthday, and we look forward to seeing you back on the court. Brian said they're hoping to get him back before Christmas, but he was also asked, and there were some good questions in that presser, actually. And uh, the question was posed to him about a potential redshirt because he'd come back, I guess, to just say Christmas, so that's before conference. We'll have, obviously, two conference games under our belt at that point. But um, it's it's worth considering because if he was going to be in the minor plans, he was going to play and be whatever, but his minutes weren't going to be anything crazy, but clearly he would help this team. I think it's fair to redshirt him unless you just know you'll need him. And clearly they'll know whenever he's ready to go around that Christmas time, depending because we'll be through our non-con and we'll get a really, really good idea. I'll be like halfway, a little bit more than halfway through the season. We'll obviously know what the team is like to work for. We'll need him, throw it off him, let him play and so forth. But I think it's a, it's a good op to potentially redshirt them. It's funny because they were at some weird campus court that we saw that Jaron Howard posted on his Instagram and didn't notice at first about it until we found out. And then it's like, I swear if somebody got hurt on that court when they're just going through a walkthrough, it's weird how they were out there. But if you go back to Jaron's post, he was in a boot. And we'll get to the other game we had. It. Apparently he had it in men. Or, again, he could have had it in practice and those guys worked too hard. So it's unfortunate for Sheridan. Again, Brian and them haven't made a decision on the redshirt thing. We'll, we'll let that play out. But, no, there's another injury that is that happened that another – these guys are having lower body injuries left and right. But, Noah Cade Hornecker, we know it's going to be another weird year for him, and it's going to kick off that way as well. Brian said that he'll be out a while uh, for – with that ankle injury that we've been seeing. Um and again, no matter what his role would have been and what we could have foreseen for him, Noah, this could be a prime spot to get that official redshirt on Kate Hornecker in a season that he who knows what his PT was going to be. We've talked about it. We don't know what it, we don't know. And now that he's out for it looks like half the season or more, no, it only makes sense. If he comes back, whether they think he'll be 100 percent, get back into the group of things, Noah, I think should this season be the official redshirt season for Cade. Like I said, we don't know what his future holds here, if he might leave at some point. He just, again, do you think it makes sense to redshirt him now that, of course, he's injured and we're barely going to see him this year? Yeah, at least, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, just saying, like, I mean, for Sheridan, we, we know six to eight weeks what the injury is. For this, just says a foot injury and he's out for a while. Well, that doesn't, that, that just sounds worse than telling us the actual injury and what kind of timeline potentially has. I mean, definitely um see if we can say it's throughout and it's middle of a uh, conference play before he gets back um you could potentially down the road still maybe get an injury waiver for another year you only got to play a certain amount of games if he does get the impact at the end of the season but yeah definitely another decision by this team to by the staff to see if we can redshirt him thought he should have last year but um definitely i mean if if he, depending when he gets back, 
and potential. Obviously, we got to wait on a Jared Hensley decision or waiver. I mean, in that in that big man room, we could end up needing Cade at the end. That is very very true. Like because we wanted a three three center rotation, didn't like it, didn't th- or didn't think it was going to happen. Now that he's hurt. For sure, with Jarrett's thing, we'll talk about that at the end. Clearly, that'll factor in a lot. We'll see how that is tomorrow night. That'll be really, really interesting. But I agree with that, that we'll take a step back in bigs to where you're very well right. We couldn't eat Kate at the end. But it's unfortunate how his career's been to this point. We'll monitor that as time goes on. Brian did say that other guys who had been hurt, Clarence, Troy, and X, will be ready to go for the opener. He said Clarence has been full go for a week. Troy, the same thing, and X played in in both recent scrimmages. So, that's good. The three of your top players are ready to go for the game. But, again, other guys that would have filled small roles will have a tough time getting here until maybe the middle of the season. Uh, X and Trent both spoke on there as well. Brian said that Trent officially is working on his MBA here. So, you know, his master's in his in his business program. So, you know, we kind of had a film that was the case where Brian confirmed that when he was talking about leadership and somebody asked and forgot about Trent in that. But that's where the current team stands. We'll talk about more – you know, within the team here at the very end for a matchup matchups tomorrow. But Noah, we did have another recent scrimmage and it was the team we knew about and knew we were going to play. And besides the Xavier, which didn't happen, no Western Kentucky. Um, you saw some insight on what this could have been. Brian had another interview. Clearly he wasn't as monotone. He talked to Rodney again about some other things he liked, but no, this is a better sign. Clearly we don't have an idea fully of who played. Brian touched on some things, but um what do we know of what would have happened at, uh, for this scrimmage against a good Western Kentucky team? Yeah, I mean, the limited we know is that Saul, according to uh, the Western Kentucky board, that they lost a tight game to SIU. So, um, obviously, we know exactly what we heard about the Loyola and things didn't go well but didn't have guys play. Is another one of these things where, I mean, with a new coach and bringing in some new guys, uh, getting a, a win over a Western Kentucky team is um, shows, in, shows improvement a little bit just over a week span, and maybe you got exactly um, some guys back fully healthy and ready to go in that one. But definitely, if that's the case, I wish I wish we knew. I wish we had, like last season, we had two guns we could definitely follow and get insights from. But um, this one's definitely hard to figure out exactly what happened. What happened? Yeah, whatever the coaches say and teams say about how awesome the secret scrimmages are, and they are for the teams, but for the fans, we don't know anything about them. And, you know, the only ones you hear about are the big name ones that the main Twitter accounts talk about. So, you know, it's unfortunate. But, yeah, as long as people say that they heard, and we trust everybody that's on these. We mentioned credibility a lot, that it's good to know they got a close win. Brian touched on, he said, who do you say, RJ, Jovan, and Trey played well in this game. So seeing the new guys clearly and – that's a good sign because West Kentucky is a good team. So that's good to propel this new team into the season. We're going, going one and one in those games, not going 0 and 2 and keeping your confidence a little high. Um, Ronnie Watson was on Luke's Saluki Royalty Pod recently. He had good conversations about what Rodney had coming up and his history with SIU. And they touched on this team a little bit, but it's a good listen. We retweeted it. Guys, go check that out for the uh, color commentary. Rodney Watson doing another season with Luke this time around no let's segue to recruiting before we get into some other things leading up to the end of this but um we have some new offers recently and someone recently visited you can dive into all of those that you know about and have seen and then we'll talk about a couple 
you know, one we mentioned recently, we mentioned their names for sure over the last couple episodes, but those guys have now found new homes. But Noah, who who else will we in on here in the coming classes? Yeah, we have had some visits and a couple new offers for that 20 or a couple or one, at least one new offer. Um, the offer was yesterday to 6'11 big man that plays for the Illinois Wolves, Nick Allen. Um, that's a guy with already with EIU, Valpo, Bryant, Northern Iowa, Illinois State, Miami, Ohio, Indiana State kind of offers up there and Bradley Borbanis. So that's a guy to interesting to follow at that kind of size so he recently took a visit to uh illinois state i saw so he's at 2025 he's still looking to uh take some visits and see interesting we see him on campus here shortly another guy 2025 small forward terrence smith from west aurora 64 um interesting guy to follow i mean this is a very athletic wing, just like a Kenora Davis and those wings we like to have. So um, it's a long ways out for 2025. Then we also Peoria central guard, LaShawn Stowers, six, five guard. Um, that's, that's up in, that's Jaren's Jaren's Howard territory. He's from there. So that would be Jaren's. I mean, if people's looking for where, well, where's Jaren's that right, Peoria and that up, up in those woods, Obviously, we have Illinois Wolves and Brian and them from up in there. But if it's from, I'd say if it's in Peoria, that would be Jarrett's. And um, lost out on a lot of, a lot of 2024 guys so far. I mean, a guy we were in on last for last class reclassified, MJ Thomas, um, committed to New Orleans. Adrian Woolley went to Kennesaw State. Um, so we're down to really uh, one open offer that we know about and that's Cameron Martin um, for the 2024 class. But uh, according to Jake Lieberman, we're also showed some interest and a couple other guys for that 2024 class, uh six, four combo guard, or that is Cameron Martin has Southern Illinois, St. Louis, Eastern Michigan, Long Beach state, Sienna and FGCU in on him. We know we were at Vashon the other day at their practice I'm trying to think of any others I missed. I know there was one more that I was thinking of, but uh, other than that, 2024 is something that we haven't really seen. Well, I mean, we're down to really truly one open offer is one of those things. And uh, an- another thing that from this is I, I was told from the, from the insider board that um, just as recruiting that, we truly only offered three of these scholies, one reclassified, the other two signed with Clemson and Oregon, which Ace Buckner went to Clemson, Abrima Troy went to Oregon. They said that the staff was not losing recruiting battles to these mediocre teams. They were going after higher caliber players and not going to sign someone just to be signing them. Um, The COVID effects still with one more year, they prefer to wait instead of signing high school players who might not make a difference. So that's just from the insider board. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but there's definitely some players we could have we've missed out on that they went elsewhere, and now people try to make it seem well we weren't really recruiting them because they went to a a smaller place or a, a team that we think we're better than. So, I mean, I don't at this point I think it's a heavy portal class if we add anybody, especially with like I said the COVID effect happening for one more year with guys that can stick around. 
Yeah, again, as long as the portal is what it is, we should always try to get a lot of them. And you can get a lot more out of veterans in the portal of current win-now teams than high schools. It just depends. Like, we had two freshmen this year that are going to play a lot, we would have thought. So every year is different in terms of who you think is going to play and who's not. And, again, that does factor into when you bring them in here, how you develop them into playing right away, how you do all that. So really – if you go get guys you like, there's clearly mutual interest, so they don't need to have the cop-out answer of, well, we weren't really that in on them. But, yeah, well, you had them on, you had a lot of them on campus. You definitely showed interest. Again, I don't think any of these people we retweet are going to be uncredible unless we retweet them and we talk about them. And, again, people are not different differentiating. That's not a word. Uh, SIUE and us to where they're saying Southern Illinois – um, that could be a possibility. We've seen that already, but hopefully not. But I don't I don't believe that. I, I think it's definitely a cop-out answer of that because a lot of guys are talented, and we're mid-major, Division One. The guys can come in here and play well. This isn't like we're a high-major power six, and we're like, okay, well, this guy's coming from where, and he did what? Like, it's just different with mid-major. You can turn guys – it doesn't take much for – less recruited or guys coming from wherever to not be like decent players here. So again, we see the under-recruited guys come in here and have all-time impact. So again, I'm not falling for any of that crap, to be honest. So uh, if you're in on them, there's it's mutual. It's no cop-outs, I would hope. So um, yeah, right. I mean, NJ Thomas going to New Orleans, who would have thought? I mean, SIUE was in on, we were in on Oklahoma State, Vanderbilt, and he goes to New Orleans of all places. Like that's, that sucks. And then Adrian Woolley, we like to like going there. So, yeah, again, they're they're adding more guys to the 2024 thing. But, again, yeah, if they're segueing more to veterans each year and they're not going to go all in on recruits, maybe they're just liking 2025 more. But we thought 24 was the year for all of them. So that's a quick recruiting update. Yeah, there's – again, they're adding guys. We're losing guys still. It's the ever so – uh, you know, thing that happens with recruiting as time goes on. So we'll follow through the season, of course. Uh, other stuff real fast. No, it's been cool to see Marcus and Lance start for their respective teams. We don't, not sure. And there's like their recent scrimmages, but not sure if Lance will start all year for Purdue. Uh, I listened to a John Rothstein pod with Matt Painter recently just talking, hoping I can, you know, they could talk about Lance and he touched on a little bit that, you know, athletically, they're going to struggle with the guard position. Maybe Lance can be that for them, as we've seen. Noah, you saw that he didn't really shoot that well in that game. But Noah, the other guy, Marcus Damask, is going to thrive this year with the Illini. We've seen we've seen some moments we saw in their recent scrimmage against the number one team, Kansas. You know, what did you take from Lance and Marcus's two performances? We were able to watch, I think, both. I didn't watch Lance's of you did, but you sent me the stat sheet. What did those two guys do recently for their respective schools? And they're going to be major impact guys, as we know. Yeah, seeing Marcus, uh, I mean, him taking his role on that team and just being a a stack guy where where we saw him around here, he's gonna he's gonna hit open shots and he struggled a little bit around the basket. We're not surprised there, seeing that his whole career, but he's gonna make the right play and he's gonna rebound. So excited to see him there. Then Lance being Lance, I mean, he struggled shooting a little bit, but um, just being that that guy aggressive, not afraid to let it fly. And obviously painter is going to have to put a little bit of a leash on him, but when it comes to shooting bad shots uh, and not want to shoot them out of games, cause he's got, he's got other guys to go to there at Purdue. Exactly. You got a seven foot five player of the year player. You can just throw it to if need be. Lance doesn't need to do too much at that level, but we're so excited to watch these guys. As we know this season, everyone kicks off tomorrow. Jeff Goodman posted, and everyone's to talk about the NIT having changes this year. 
don't have it in front of me. We'll talk about it down the road, but it's egregious. Everyone's saying that with the NIT is kind of phasing out mid-majors, it would appear, even though the final four for the NIT this past year were all mid-majors. So uh, mistake there. Field of 68 had their mid-major top 25. Uh, they did have Drake as number one on here. Uh, so that's interesting. Bradley's on here as well. Just some other things before we get into the Valley stuff of what teams are deemed coming in this year. I don't, uh, I don't have it in front of me thinking of a, whether you and I was on that or not, but Bradley and of course, Drake were Drake. Number one's interesting. Uh, saw some weird things recently with former Valley player rink mast doing, he's getting accused of stuff. I don't even know. No, I had it on here. I didn't have it in front of me. I'm not going to, you know, I'll have to segue it over to you about it, but rink mast be going through some personal things off the court for Nebraska that he wasn't been playing for them and their scrimmage and stuff. Just a weird thing just came to our attention because we know surely he'll be a good thing for Fred Hoiberg and them. But that was interesting. Uh, just because I saw it, Little Rock, who's going to be awful again, I would think. I don't know, though, just thinking about the top of my head. They have Mikel Mitchell there, who was an Arkansas player recently, had an awesome year for them last year, transferred for his fifth year. He's staying in his home state to Little Rock. So, that's someone to keep an eye on the OVC if they're bringing – they still have like Dean, Tony Gordon and stuff like that. Look out for Little Rock in the OVC this year because of guys like Mikel Mitchell brought to my attention. No, let's get around the valley. The aforementioned some of those teams, but there was a there was a, uh, a good recruit that a Valley team got just today. Dive into that, Noah, and then any other news you know about, but go ahead and talk about – what every other Valley team's got going on tomorrow. Pretty much everybody is going to play. Some's got some have better games than others, but let's dive into all those. Yeah, talk about twenty twenty four recruiting. I mean, Coach Prom down there in Murray State. I mean, yesterday or today they got another top one fifty recruit and, and, and guard uh DJ um his name DJ Shine, another top 150 guy i mean then they got the other day top 150 guy jordan mccollum an act, active athletic switchable guy so uh, i mean two top 150 guys in the 2024 class already for prom and his staff i mean guys are just continuous continuously going to go to that program and they're going to be sh- very good in the valley yeah shout out to steve i mean he's got ties to be able to get all these different kinds of guys. So Murray is building up a nice 2024 class and thought about they're going for this year just with heavy guard play. And we'll see, you know, what happens. They'll have good freshmen that'll be up for things next year. No, I mean, there's obviously a lot of notable games tomorrow, some more than others, as I said, Uh, we'll dive into most notable of the Valley games because everyone plays, you know, some bad ones. We have one included, but there's some that play some that some you've never even heard of before. The aforementioned Murray State host Midway, a uh, team that doesn't even have a can't even have a logo on the ESPN app. Indiana State plays who is this something of the woods? And then they Saint host Mary. some team again you've never heard of, St. Mary of the Woods or whatever the heck it is. Illinois State hosts Lourdes. But no, there's some good games. Otherwise, dive into the the matchups of the teams that have because they're the ones that have spreads on them. There's no spreads for the lowly matchups, but there's some for teams that play notable power six teams. Yeah, then uh, I think the other lowly one is Valpo host Trinity Christian. So that's gonna be. I mean, then obviously we we play our non-division one game. I mean, over the half the league plays non-division one, but other games. 
I mean, I'd say the other one, UIC on the road at Cincinnati, that's a very good game. Um, Miami, Ohio, getting to come to Evansville, that's that's just – I mean, it feels like Evansville, Valpo always have matchups, be able to get home and home against good MAC programs, and we can never do it. So that's one to watch out. Georgia State at Belmont, um, then the big ones. Bradley on the road at UAB, then Missouri State gets to play at West Virginia. Yeah, and every team besides Belmont and Georgia State, Belmont's favorited at home. Everyone else is uh, underdogs in these games. People talk about Missouri State's potential to go into West Virginia because all the craziness they got going on and guys with eligibility, so on and so forth. So some notable ones. Bradley and UAB is top three or four, I think, and the, they're new in the AAC and stuff. So UIC at West Miller. So some good opportunities there. Missouri State might have the best one, though, just looking at – who they're playing in general. So some decent matchups, as we've said, uh, looking to see how those teams are going into those games tomorrow. Uh, just quickly, because I listened to March to the Arts podcast recently on their preview episode, Brian Wardle talked about uh, he expects uh, Jonovich, their, their sophomore center, to, to start at center this year, maybe. Uh, talked about Amari. He talked about a lot of the new guys. Said Amari and Ellis, who hasn't even played the last two years, he's like what he saw. He'll be an elite piece for them, he said, and a lot of different facets defensively and stuff. Uh, all, uh, Atlason, their true freshman, will play. He's been impressing to Brian. And then we know the new guys, Pettigrew, Thomas, and Birch. Uh, he said they're still learning the system defensively, but they should be ready to go in general. Clearly, we know those guys are going to play. Uh, Chicago State, because we play them this year, they have four-star twin. Those five-star twins, excuse me, are suing the NCAA on on eligibility that they will not have. We'll talk about it more if they obviously don't play uh, by our third game of the season. We'll talk more about it, but that came breaking news recently. Uh, just some other ones real fast. James Madison, who we play a really good team. They are at Michigan State tomorrow. Keep an eye out for that, and I think there's other ones. Oklahoma State plays Abilene Christian, I think. There's some other ones, but we'll talk about them when they're finalized after the fact. Uh, Noah, let's end this thing talking about Kentucky State. They are Division II. They you know, they had a good game recently against a really high-level Power 5 program in general. Uh, but, you know, clearly, and as we know, this is really going to – we'll talk about, like, what we want to see from our team, let alone who Kentucky State is. But if you have anything on them, what they – like I said, their game recently, what they've been in the past, if you have anything of that sort, uh, then we'll dive into some things for our game and who we think could play well, rotations, et cetera. Yeah, this is just uh, not a very good basketball team. I mean, Kentucky State's a historically uh, black, black university down there in Frankfort, Kentucky. Now, I think as of, like, 2022 they only had an enrollment of like 1700 so there's some high schools that potentially push that number i mean they're under jamal jackson is their eighth year is entering his eighth year as head coach they went 15 and 13 last last year they were led by uh six six senior last year kong kong who is the first uh one of the first or the, is the first kentucky state player to sign a g league team he's playing for oklahoma city blue this year um, a lot of turnover like us this offseason. Lost Kong Kong, like I said, Montrell Jacobs, Jalen Andrews, Jay Morrell were their leading scorer. All their leading scorers have gone. So, like you said, they did play a game against Kentucky on Thursday. Lost 99-53. Not a very good outing for them. 
Um, they did get blown out, shot poorly. They were 19 of 64 from the floor, 5 of 22 from three, or 10 of 14 from the free throw line. Um, just a lot of not very many. I mean, they only had 13 turnovers. That's not too bad in a game against Kentucky. Uh, but just not a very good basketball team. Have a lot of new guys, a lot of JUCO guys um, on this team. I think the other night they were led led by sophomore uh, Josiah Mitchell. Um, he had 10 points, but it was was on 4 of 11 shooting. So just a lot of length and athleticism, but not a very good basketball team for this team. They were picked, uh, I think, fifth in their decision, fifth in their division in the SIC, so the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, picked fifth in their division, and just not a lot. I mean, obviously, they have three exhibitions. They played Kentucky, they play us, and they play Tennessee State. So a lot of length and athleticism, but just overall not a very good basketball team. No, of the three we had to open the season, they're by far the worst because clearly they're a step lower. We played a team last year that was interesting in Division Two, but you expect to blow them out. I mean, Kentucky beating them by 46 – they're going to get a lot of shots up, as we know. So thoroughbreds, um, which is a name you don't hear much, but Josiah Mitchell is, I guess, they're, if he's leading him in scoring, he gets up a lot of shots, even though it's only 11. They will get up a lot of shots, and he might lead the way for them in our first ever meeting between them. So, again, it's going to be a short one, yes, that, um, you know, expect to blow them out. They do. They've had – you mentioned Kong Kong. They've had the bits of talent, but, again, and, and the scope of everything else, obviously they come in and you're – expecting to put up 70 shots and see how many go in, but hopefully, you know, our defense that has been, you know, talked about a lot to segue into still becoming good that we don't allow as many like proper and open shots. Hopefully a lot of contested. So that's a little bit on them. Now let's segue to us more importantly, uh, what we could see in this game. You mentioned earlier in the pod about Jared Hensley. Is he going to play? I mentioned in previous ones, wouldn't be surprised if he's in street clothes at the end of the bench or something. He's in the team picture. They're not going to keep him out of things like that if he's, um, you know, potentially not going to play. DeAndre Williams of the likes of the guys we know about across college basketball, except for different reasons for everybody. But guys are starting to get denied. We mentioned how the five-star wins that ended up at Chicago State, they're going through that stuff too. So they're honestly turning a lot of people down, and it makes us think that it's not looking good for Jared. No one said anything about it. We haven't talked to anybody, uh, anybody about it in a week. Maybe he doesn't play, and then maybe we'll see who else is hurt. Like I said, the guys we talked about earlier will be the ones hurt. No one else will be. But, um, no, in terms of what we could expect from just an opening starting lineup, Brian said on that thing a week ago that – because he, of course, uh, Jake Siegel was pushing him about, you know, what do you guys think about being picked ninth and what's your starting five going to be? And he's not going to answer those because he's – mentioned the injuries. Guys are coming back. they got to work it out still, and they have over the last week, he would say. He did say, but no, if, we, if Jared doesn't play, which I think we can, unfortunately, I think we can expect him not to. I pray I'm wrong. So, no, if he doesn't play, what can you expect just from an opening lineup and then who, you know, who we could come in and see? These are the games we just want to see guys in. The rotations will take care of themselves against better teams over time. But what are you thinking about what a line, an early lineup and then rotation options could be at the start of the game? Yeah, this is just very curious about a lot of it. I mean, obviously – Hensley, assuming he won't be cleared till at least probably conference play. If he does get a waiver, don't think he will. Uh, Cade's out. Sheridan's out. So with a lot of other guys coming back from injury, I expect probably X, Trent Brown, 
probably I'd say RJ Troy and Clarence to start. I could see it otherwise. There's some other guys that Trey Miller obviously maybe over Trent, but definitely think those guys should get the nod. Obviously, I'm excited. The guys probably I'm most looking forward to. I want to see Trey Miller, Kennard, and AJ Ferguson. I want to see those wings come off. Then obviously Stulich will be a big piece off that bench. Yeah. Um, which the more I just think about it now and diving into it, that if Jarrett, which you said, hopefully they at least let him play in conference, let alone what they're not going to play, you know, this long non-conference season, which again, this team will need Jarrett Hensley. If they don't have him, it will be a struggle at times. Zero doubt. We've talked about what he can bring and what he could do. So we're praying he does, but I, I agree. Troy will start. If not, I could see Trent in them, but I a hundred percent agree with you until the likes of Trey Kennard and those guys that can match what Kentucky state brings athletically, just in general of like those kind of players. But uh, just seeing Kennard in general, just because I had dogs of the game on here in, in general, it's like, well, as soon as Kennard checks in, uh, he's immediately going to be the dog of the game. We want to see guys if they have moments to dominate and do a lot of really good things. But just if because Kennard should be aggressive in this game, if you're getting in these kinds of games, hopefully we can see you and no one else gets hurt in a facet if it goes the way we want it to, to where we see Chris Cross in the game. We've talked about that recently, that this is maybe the only game of the three maybe uh, coming up, but definitely this one, see Chris Cross in the game. So you want to get the guys in there. They're going to play a lot to do well and then come out for the young guys to then break out. That's where Kennard can be dog of the game if he puts up okay numbers. Um so, yeah, again, I agree. This is a game where we'll talk about it, just what we see. Uh, not a whole lot of predictionary stuff because we expect to win big. It's just how all these guys factor in of the everyone besides Jarrett and the Hurt guys are going to play. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, no, if you were to, like I said, my dog would just be Kennard when he comes in. You already said, guys, that you would. Just end this in your final thoughts overall with who you would like to see and who you would give a dog of the game at the end. Uh, and then uh, – like what the crowd could be in your eyes. We, I had a, you know, just somebody commented on our post earlier about don't expect on a Monday night for them to people to show up to a game like this and to show up to the team, the the big games. It's like, well, obviously, but for a team like this that needs, they don't probably don't need like specific motivation in terms of what they already have to them. But if they see a crowd come out for a division two matchup to kick off the year, Monday night or not, It'll do well, I think, for them and the and the satisfactory and the confidence, I think. I don't think I'm wrong on that. Clearly, we expect big crowds at the big games. But, no, what do you think the crowd could be, in your opinion, and like everything else I said in your overall final thoughts before tomorrow's game? Yeah, definitely think that um, should see um, potentially the dog pound um, come out. I know Dylan Chambers is tweeting the madness starts tomorrow night or so the dog pound's back tomorrow night. But, I expect around 4,500 to 5,000, not too big of a crowd, but expect it to be good. Um, and also just one more thing. Um, excited to see what Clarence Rupert does. I mean, the jump from last year to this year, he's got a lot to improve on. See if he's been working on that shot of his. Yeah. Those little tidbit things. We'll keep an eye on to see what the guys have improved on what you can see again. And these kind of matchups, things can enhance and that you wouldn't see him again against Indiana States of the world. But as long as the guys do it, maybe they'll carry it over. Uh, which I agree. Again, I'm not 
I wouldn't say that the crowd's going to be fantastic and packed. Dog Pound will for sure show up. It's just everybody else. I just expect something decent. I mean, people are excited for the season. They're going to show up to a game no matter who it's against and what day it is. So nothing too crazy, but at least hopefully people show up well. Again, nothing else more to talk about in this game. We'll just wrap it up here and we'll talk to everybody. Maybe on Wednesday, we'll, we'll do a combined episode of what we saw, the recap from this game. And then uh, a preview to Queens, which will be a, a, a more difficult test than the one tomorrow, we're thinking. So excited to talk about that then. Excited to show up tomorrow. There, if a lot of people show up as well to see this new team. And we'll see just a little bitty thing as we'll take apart mostly from the game that we're excited to talk about on Wednesday. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. Great to have basketball back. See you on Wednesday. Go dogs.